In 2020, CityLab of Pittsburgh released a study that ranked Cleveland as the worst city in America for black women to live. A new podcast called Living for We is trying to figure out why and how we can change that. The podcast interviews Cleveland residents about their experiences at work, at school, during visits to the doctor's office, and while in community with each other in an attempt to answer the question, is Cleveland really as bad as they say it is for black women? Executive produced and hosted by Marlene Harris-Taylor, produced by NPR's IdeaStream Public Media in partnership with Evergreen Podcasts, and with creative direction and production by Hey Friend Hey. The podcast covers topics like education, healthcare, and workplace challenges for Black women, speaking with guests ranging from ages 7 to 94. Episodes regularly include segments with Dr. Angela Neal Barnett, a national award-winning psychologist and professor, about the unfair expectations society places on Black women, asking her for her advice on how to cope and, furthermore, how to challenge these ideas. Check out Living for We wherever you get your podcasts. Tabitha Brown brightens days like no one else. Now the actress, vegan, and social media phenomenon is partnering with Target to give all your gatherings that perfect summer glow. It's all about bringing loved ones together around all the best things. Delicious food, fun games, good music, and that bright, happy sunshine. This collection has you set for a summer full of joy. Check out the Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoors Entertaining Collection on May 14th in Target locations and on Target.com. You must understand that the touch of your hand makes my pulse react. Go ahead, sister. You can join in. It's only you know the, the thrill of boy, me, and girl opposites attract. Yeah. It's physical. <laughs> only logical. <laughs> You must try to ignore that it means everybody, more than everybody. That. Oh, come on! What's love got to do? Hey, got to do with it? That's it, Adam. What's love? Yes, but a second-hand emotion. Go ahead, sister, take over. What's love got to do? Got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Yes. <laughs> Oh, rest in peace, Anna May Bullock. Okay, um, the epitome of getting grown, honestly. Literally, that in a person. Listen, our legends are leaving us, y'all. They are, and we need to appreciate them and teach your kids about Jeez. them. Teach your children. I mean, the legend Tina Turner passed away, eighty-three years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mem- an icon. We a were legend. we together? We weren't together. I watched, uh, it was when I went to go film the the uh, J.D. Next Day Variety show in mm-hmm. L.A. Um, and Franiqua and Crystal Jean came along and we watched the documentary then. Mm. And that, you could tell that was her goodbye. Mm. But also, like I said, the epitome of getting grown because she didn't know what she was doing. No, She had to figure it out along the way. And hit her prime in mm. her 40s, right? As much as we're taught that as oh. we age, something's wrong with that. An inspiration, right? And I'm going to watch the documentary again. I feel yeah, like I watched same. it before, but I'm going to watch it again. Same. Maybe we can watch it on Patreon. 
Oh yeah, we should. But yeah, oh, yeah um, we'll figure out a way to pirate it. <laughs> but um, but no, seriously, I, yeah. I because I I do feel like there's so many lessons uh, throughout her life. Yeah, yeah. That we can glean um, because, and I just love that Tina Turner was always so honest and vulnerable. She yes. was never performative in the ways that celebrities are sort no, of to her conditioned to be. To right? Her. She was very honest about very. how. And it was really like, it's really just like dope and affirming to sort of see that sort of radical, raw, yeah, yeah, honesty like lived out loud before it was cool to do so. Like before, before, talk about it. before social talk about media it. had us all in this. And also you know, think about it, sister. We talk about respectability, especially because and where it comes from, as us, you know, mm-hmm. how we were raised and where we come from. And Tina Turner comes from where we come from, right? Legit. She is Nut she bush. is of our she is of our <laughs> ilk. You know what I'm saying? And so um for her to be so transparent about mm-hmm. her struggle when we've been taught for so yeah. much in our grandma through our grandmothers, yeah. through our mothers, yeah. you know, to hide those struggles. It yeah. was she was a refreshing, beautiful, beautiful piece of an example of how we can live authentically and transparently, mm-hmm. right? Not mm-hmm. putting all your business out there, but also no, like, we didn't know I don't have business. it all together. No, we didn't know we all didn't the know business. All we learned business. it. We learned it and we learned the pertinent parts that gave us the context that we needed. That's it. But we still, I still don't feel like we knew all of the details. And that's another sort of grace that I yeah. feel like, oh, very much. you know, is, is an art. Oh yeah. That few celebrities are really uh, embracing or learning how to do, how to manage you know, we live in that social media age where people want to stay. They go live for everything, Lord mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And there's something about that. I'm going to let you know what I want you to know. Hello. But you don't get everything. Which is fair. Hello, Which Jamie Foxx. Y'all don't deserve to all know of all us, of the ins and outs of, of his health and what's going on. So, <laughs> yeah, this entitlement, I think our, our time, our age, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and the amount of of things that people have shared on the internet has made consumers feel entitled to yes. knowing details yeah. that it that don't be our business, y'all. I saw a tweet today actually where somebody was like, "Why y'all didn't tell me Megan Thee Stallion and part and party broke up?" It's true. When did they break up? And it was like, None of your business, "I don't girl. know because I'm not in their I don't fucking know. relationship. Yes. What is wrong? That's with not you something all? that Megan or Party <laughs> is required to disclose to right. any of us. Yeah, strangers. And I think it's okay. And I may or may actually love that for her. her. She's dealt with enough. Why do we need to know? Why I does it need to be public? Tell Asatoya, I celebrated when I found yeah. out. I was like, good for her. She has learned. I feel like she's learning the art yes. of. Uh, I don't got to tell these people everything. Yeah, her praying. Aunt Mother Jade is working. Same. Because <laughs> I've been praying we, as well. I, we, I don't know if y'all have prayed, but I'm we glad have praying Aunt Mothers. I'm glad to see her yeah. coming out and yeah. having joy. Yeah. The, uh, when we've seen Meg recently in the news, she's she been having happy. a time of she her life. Happy. She's celebrating. Yeah. She is looking good, looking like she's feeling good in her body yeah. and her skin. And in her phase and in of her life, spirit. Yes. yeah, yeah, and I celebrate that for her. It's good to see her on the on the other, not on, I don't want to say on the other side because I don't know what you know. She's still maybe very much going through but from the other side of what we've yeah. known and seen. Yeah, of a very traumatic 
horrific incident that she experienced and multi assault like, that she, she I feel like she was already public when her mother passed. You it know what I'm saying? So like she's had yeah. she's had a, a tough run. And so and she's not old. And she's she's not even she's 30, not, sister. She's not she's old not even to 30. have gone through all the things that she's experienced yeah. publicly. And so we proud of you, Meg, girl. Yes, we have we lots of proud love for of you. you over here at the Getting Grown. You are doing good, girl, and we love to see it. Well, Enjoy I'm yourself. Gonna, I wanted to ask you how you were, but I'm actually, I know you're going to tell us about that in the I'm I feeling Know great. That's Right segment yes. of the show. I'm feeling great. So um, shall we quickly move to a shout out before well, we, can we get tell, into it? You a, can tell me how you're doing, though. Oh, I'm cool. Ain't, ain't nothing <laughs> going on over here. Mm-mm. I'm back in a reorganization phase, and I don't think anybody's you interested. You just move from one reorganization phase to well, another. Well, I know, I do, I do. do, and I recognize, which is why I was like, "Well, just stop talking about it." Cause... No, you don't have to. <laughs> I'm not saying that that to say that you have to. I'm just pointing out that you're constantly organizing, which is good because I feel like you're constant. You don't sit with things. You're constantly thinking about. How to better situate. Which can also get exhausting, right? Because at a certain point, you're like, I would actually just like to be fully can I organized. Just be okay. Yes. And like sit down and watch a Lifetime movie. Mm. But I also have recently, so I wanted to, you know, I wanted to move. Yeah. And real, I was like, oh, the lease. Yes. <laughs> we have got one of those. That pesky <laughs> thing. And it's not up until <laughs> February. Okay. So, yeah. um, while I was like, because I had gone full, like, Tristan, mm-hmm. I am about to call the realtor. I'm about to. And then was like, let me cool my jets. I can't do that yet. But this so, is good, though, because this gives you time to plan your move. And that's that was because initially, you know, I was disappointed. Impatient. But and you then need I said, six months to move, sister. I need six months. You do. I want to make sure, you know, because it costs $50,000 to Hell move yes. in New York. And then... And then making sure that we are able to find the space that Absolutely. we need. Every time we move, moving we've is not grown something you want to do space. under dire straits. Yes, no. you don't want to rush through your move. Mm-mm. It's actually Mm-mm. a blessing that you have six to eight months, honestly, yeah. to really think about how you want to do this so you can set it up right. So I'm excited. It was very much an emotional, like. Well, you know, you know you're was, allowed to have a tantrum. And I was like, dang it. I was oh, like, I'm well. sick of everything in here yes. and I'm ready to go. So now it's also in addition to I should be able to add I'm I have PMS to like my email signature at work because I feel like that that will be just the right context that people need yeah. when I'm in the call. Because that's like, a different monster, bye, y'all. right? I got to go. <laughs> it's a different... Y'all are on de- my nerves. You know, it's, it's like, hello, bubble bear. Like, that is the hormone <laughs> monster. And as I get older, she gets bigger. And we have got to, I think we should be honest about where we are. Because yeah. I love... I know I'm jumping all over the place, uh-huh. but I watched... Um, the Light We Carry, Michelle Obama's uh, thing on Netflix with Oprah. Oh, yes. I enjoyed that. And on that documentary, she was talking about their, both of them were being very vocal about their experience of menopause and sort of mm, pre-menopause. Mm. And she was like, Oprah was like, uh, nobody told me. We, like, we were all socialized to be hush-hush and secretive yeah. about the changes that your body will experience. Like it was something that we needed to sort of keep to ourselves. Uh-huh. Um, but she was like, oh, no, no, no. There's great community and aff- affirmation in negotiating the changes of your body Absolutely. Uh, with women who are also experiencing it because it's going to show up differently. And and I just love the way that we are sort of sharing the cheat codes. Yes. So listen, let me tell y'all. Some about 40 does something to your hormones. Listen. Listen. And, and I'm, in the shadow period. I'm very <laughs> much 
Like I, I feel them turn on like the AC. No, sister. Like, like my okay, periods now All are. Right. It's like it's like little bitches in my stomach, and they start <laughs> punching me, and they're <laughs> like, oh, "Hey, we are raging right yeah, now." I just want you to know there is a party happening up in this motherfucker. Yes. And you you know what it is? You know what my hormones do? It's very genital. Ooh, they smoking up in here <laughs> like they're very okay. present. <laughs> so oh, oh, y'all smoking up in here? I was like. Here we go, the ladies <laughs> on fire! <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm feeling that. Oh, that's so true. Well, that I'm was a feeling. bit of a, we went in on a tangent, but let's get into the show. We are, oh, what are we doing? A shout out now? Yeah, we're going to go into a quick shout out. And then we have a kitchen table talk that, <laughs> do. that you know what? Yes. We all need to hear. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so I'm just that leaving. Part. I'm going to just leave. We all need to hear. Every one of us. But let's go into this shout out. Let's do it. My sister's popping right now, like. All right, our shout out this week mm-hmm. says just in time for summer, okay? Ooh. Nia Thomas is an ethically made black woman owned independent fashion label that celebrates the female form. Yes. Founded in 2018 as a love letter to Earth, the ep- eponymous. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you ever heard that word before? No, that's new one for me. Eponymous. Spell it E P O N Y M O U S. Oh, that's something I'll have to Google a little later. I can't wait. The eponymous brand calls on women to own their sensuality, power, and capacity for love. Okay. With a mission to pay homage to our roots through the ritual of getting dressed, Nia Thomas's Lux Knitwear is sustainably produced in New York City, Mexico, and Peru from cellulose-based fibers and plant-based dyes as a zero-waste alternative to an often frivolous industry. Each timeless hand-knit piece is inspired by her nomadic lifestyle and aims to transport the wearer to a place of comfort, ease, and elegance. Oh, I love that. Knitwear and elegance. That's not like my middle name. So we did miss an amazing pop-up here in New York, um, which was June 2nd through June 4th. Okay. But you all can visit Nia's creations at www.niathomas.co. Co. Okay, and check out her gorgeous Instagram at Nia Thomas period co. And we'll, of course, have all of that information in the description box. I've I've actually seen some of Nia's pieces. Um, A dear friend of mine modeled some of them. Lovely. And I mean, I think it is something that you and I both. Would appreciate I'm down. you know, so I'm you know down. That, that ranges across yes, the board. Yes. So make sure you all check out Nia Thomas, neathomas.co or on Instagram at neathomas period co. Eponymous is an adjective that means of a person giving their name to something. Oh. Or it's named after a particular person. So oh. it is named after her. Okay, so Jade of All Jades is eponymous. That's correct. <laughs> I'm about to be obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) Holy God. All right. Well, in the spirit of of, uh, Jade being obnoxious. Yes. Not at all, Hello. actually. Um, <laughs> let's let's get over to this kitchen table. Oh, we yeah. are excited, guys, yeah. because we have uh, a special guest. I know we say that all the time, but all of our guests are special, so they deal are. with it. To us. Okay? In a um, general. But we are having a conversation that I think we've all wanted to have for a while now. Touched, and it is, yeah, it's not, it is not a one and done sort of conversation, right? No. So our hope is that we can continue to have conversations like this. We're going to talk about identity um, uh, and identity across the diaspora yeah, and the experiences of uh, being black, um, you know, 
from a global sort of standpoint. Yeah. Um, and whatever tensions that that may exist amongst groups within the mm -hmm. diaspora. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things, uh, talk about the origin of that tension, what it stems from, and then hopefully uh, what are some of the things that we can start to do to uh, change the narrative and get out of that those cycles of, yes. of unproductive conversation. And um, have productive so, conversation. Right. We're yeah. excited to, to uh, welcome uh, our own Mary Akba to the kitchen table. Uh, and she's going to share her insights and perspectives. And it really is a dope conversation that we're excited to share yeah. with you guys. So check it, check it out. Can't wait to hear your comments. This week's episode of Getting Grown is brought to you by the Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoor Entertaining Collection. Bring your loved ones together around the best things. Delicious food, fun games, good music, and that bright, happy sunshine. This collection has you set for a summer full of joy. Find your new summer favorites in the Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoor Entertaining Collection, available May 14th in Target locations and on Target.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the kitchen table. We have a very special guest. I feel like we say that all the time because all, all our, our guests, guests are, are special. special. That's correct. Ah, Jinx, Jinx yes. again. You owe me a soda. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't to be all. Or she'll be like, you can't talk. I'm like, girl, shut What are up. these rules? <laughs> shut your mouth. What are these rules? Like, I'm about to no, be silent oh until gosh. somebody says exactly my name like... because you said it. Um, but yes, we are here with a very special <laughs> guest. She is a part of the Getting Grown family. Yes. Um, has been Ooh. on the show before, but was Just not a part Jane. of Getting Grown family officially at that moment mm -hmm. but now our production manager <laughs> slash uh songstress <laughs> slash songbird slash niger queen mary akpa is hey, mary. joining us mary. hi y'all we're How so happy you? to have you i'm good i'm good thank you happy <laughs> I'm to nervous, have you here you, know. you should not be nervous no. okay mm -mm. at all i want no. you to take a deep breath right okay. now girl. yeah come on let's all breathe <laughs> Yes, you look yes. better. You look like you. you feel better. I do. Right. I do. Can't, come on, can't, can't <laughs> you take it of me? She's okay, like, let's breathe. Coach. <laughs> let's take a deep breath. <laughs> okay, breathe Ground in. Yourself, One, girl. two, Ground three. Yourself. Yes. And let out four counts. Yeah. Yeah, let's ground ourselves into this conversation because it is a conversation. So, you know, it may ruffle some feathers. It may trigger some folks. Hopefully it not. may. I hope not, yeah. because we have an ultimate uh, goal with this conversation. And that's we are unified not to be all corny and like beach boys and all that <laughs> with it. But Kia and I are two black American girls that we've spoken about before. And Mary is Nigerian born, but. Cali raised, mm -hmm. but still very immersed in her Igbo culture. Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed a lot of commentary. I mean, this has always been, right? This has always been. But I've noticed it really heightened recently with these diaspora conversations. Yeah. Um, and not too many things make me uncomfortable, as you both know, as my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but those conversations make me uncomfortable. <clears throat> Um, not in a way where I don't want to have them. Mm -hmm. I can understand both sides when I hear different perspectives. And I do find as somebody who is black American, black American raised, you know, um, I, I'm like what third generation. So like we are a pretty black American family. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, 
I, I find that they make me uncomfortable because I will get a little defensive, but then I will understand because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but I went to school with somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I can understand where you're saying this. And I think these are necessary conversations. So Tristan was watching this video the other day, which is what brought this up to my mind now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was uh, somebody, I think she was from Jamaica, who had an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And she was speaking about the treatment that she's received primarily from black Americans as, as an far owner. as she was an as, owner. A, as an owner okay. of an Airbnb as it pertains to the types of reviews they leave for her, not mm. under, not understanding what kind of setting they're going into mm. as it pertains to the treatment of her property and being disrespectful, which is never okay. Right. Yeah. But it, it just, the it started to sound disparaging <clears throat> after a while. And it was one of those things, you know, when people start conversations, they're like, no offense. And then say a, a, a barrage of many offensive things. It was very much like not all black Americans, but black Americans have done this to my thing. And they have done this and they have done this. And part of me was like, well, damn. And then the other part of me was like, well, damn. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. also I get mm-hmm. where you're coming from, sister, because. I know people like this right. across the board. Right. And so I think it's important that we have these conversations. So we want to have Mary on because we didn't want y'all coming up in our comments talking about, Ken and Jay are both, are both black Americans. Not these two blacky blacks <laughs> speaking on this talking show. about something that they have no business talking about. Hey, okay, girls. Just and we'll him. get to it. And Kia, you know, you you can you get to talk way more eloquently than I can. <laughs> well, we um, but so. we want to get Not, to the foundation of where this comes from, right? We all yeah, know what yeah. the root, what the cause is, and we'll talk about that but i just want let's i just thought it would be good for us to have dialogue and conversation for sure i think opening up spaces like this is critical mm-hmm. because i think we're conditioned to not to really process these things together yeah. as a people yes uh but you know we hold on to our personal experiences and you know use it as a lens for sort of how we sort of shape mm-hmm. and what choices we make Moving forward. And that's totally fair and expected. And, you know, that's how the brain works. Mm-hmm. That's how society has socialized us all to sort of be and exist. And mm-hmm. so this is not from a place of like judgment, um, but just more recognizing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That there are some differences in the ways that we uh, see things and the ways that we experience things. And so what are the ways that we can create containers where we can have meaningful conversations that help us to process difference Mm -hmm. that doesn't shut down conversation, Mm -hmm. but hopefully leads to much more meaningful conversation moving forward. Yes. I remember, I'm glad that you uh, sort of framed this conversation by talking about our origins, Mm -hmm. because that's always going to be when, when I think about conversations like this, I think about the first time that I felt different Mm -hmm. um, within a predominantly black space. Mm -hmm. And so I'll share mine. And then I think maybe it'd be cool if you guys can talk about Mm -hmm. times when you may have felt. I remember I was, it was my first year in college uh, in Manhattanville and there was a black student union meeting. Um, And I was pressed, right? Like, oh, this is the first time this club is getting together. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, you know, my school was a small school, but there was a critical mass of black folks and we would see each other in passing. But I'm thinking everybody's going to be here. Mm-hmm. You get to sort of see the environment, the group. Mm-hmm. And we all in this together at this predominantly white institution. So I'm excited to sort of get to know folks and just meet people. Um, and 
in the introductions, they had everyone go around the room and say your name, mm-hmm. uh, where you were from, like, you know, what neighborhood you grew up in, what mm-hmm. state. And then they talk about like, then they said something like what you are, like, what are you? Mm. And I was like, what you mean? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't say it out loud, but I was mm-hmm. thinking like, I don't know. And then we started going around question. the room, right? I'm probably paraphrasing. It probably wasn't said like that, but it was mm-hmm. some, some, just something very general, just sort of left out, like how you identify, how identify who, right. like what, what is your ethnicity? Your ethnic what is your, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, well, we all in the Black Student Union meeting, so, uh, right. I mean, I thought that was established. Mm-hmm. But as people started to go around the room, and, you know, it would be like, my name is Jenny and I am Panamanian and Dominican. Uh, my name is mm-hmm. uh, Shante and I'm from Texas. Mm-hmm. Or someone would be like, my name is, uh, you know, Sam mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm from Belize. Uh and so I remember feeling like as people were going around, I started to get nervous because yeah. I was like, my mom is from Tennessee and my grand- and my daddy is from South Carolina mm-hmm. and I'm black. But I, mm-hmm. I didn't have any special sauce or mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. sort of. That is special sauce. That is, it but, didn't right. feel but, like it in that moment, right. to yeah, be I honest. Yeah, 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 it yeah. felt like mm-hmm. I and I literally said this. Uh, And I know that I said this, but I remember reflecting on it and feeling bad for saying it this way. But when it came to me, I said, my name is Takia and I'm just black. Mm. And I was like, "Okay," but that's just how it came out of my body in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it did. It literally. It tugged on me for a little while. Uh, And I ended up, you know, I was such an emo teenager at this point. Right. So. I, um, God, it just keeps coming up. I'm not ready for that to come in my life. No, I was such an emo teenager. And I was like, you know, this was like, you know, we were all like into poetry and stuff. I remember mm. writing a poem. Girl, we were all Moesha. What it do you was mean? so bad. Right? We felt no It was so bad. Yes. Oh, you know, I had the you notes. You know, we had a felt I wrote, I wrote a poem about it. And because it was like, I was more critical and questioning internally, like, in that moment, I felt like I did not have a culture, like just black. It just felt like mm-hmm. I'm black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one made me feel that way. But the fact that others were able to sort of connect to their ethnic origin in a way um, that had some like, you know, identifiable cultural distinctions, mm-hmm. whether that be a flag or a cuisine or mm-hmm. a language. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I I decided to be intentional about learning in that moment. I'm going to learn about black American culture because I believe it is a culture. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I felt ill-equipped to sort of represent it gotcha. mm-hmm. in, in a way. And I wrote a poem about how, like, you know, I felt just black, but it's so much more being... Like, you know, we as black Americans have a culture. We have a perspective. There is a cuisine. There mm-hmm. is a dialect. Mm-hmm. There's a flag. Mm-hmm. There's a history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. That was a part of sort of my journey through it. But I definitely remember sitting in that big room in the lounge in my freshman dorm feeling like, well, when I get to me, I'm just black. Mm. Uh, and once I said it, I, after I said it out of my mouth, it was like, I ain't like the way that that tasted. <laughs> like, it was mm. just like, I don't care for that. Mm. But that was, that was the moment that it was like, I felt different 
like I'm sitting in a room full of black people, but I feel difference within this room. And that's not altogether a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, it felt it felt weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of my first experience of of noting that sort of diasporic difference and experiencing it for myself. Mm-hmm. Is there a time in your experience, Mary, when you could say that you sort of felt a distinction? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty. Gosh, there's so much I want to ask about what you just talked about. And there's a question I want to ask about what you said earlier. So I'm going to try and keep a pin in both of those things. Okay. Just to answer this question. question. I know. Let's do that first. Okay. come back to this. Are you sure? (laughs) Yes. Okay. If that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, when you say just black, like when you heard other folks saying they were from Texas or like a state, you didn't feel like you identified with those the location, the geography. I with feel which like you grew location. Up in. We felt because there was definitely like a there's a culture of, from about being in New from New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Absolutely. the fellow New Yorkers in the room, you know, there's definitely mm-hmm. a a commonality there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I said just in that sort of retelling of the story that somebody mentioned they were from Texas. But that was not something that happened commonly in that space. Gotcha, mm. yeah. So okay. I mentioned okay. that, but it's not something that every other person, yeah. somebody was saying, I'm from mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it was mostly that people were sort of able to talk about their nationality or mm-hmm. their ethnicity in a way that I didn't feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I literally remember feeling panicked. Yeah. Like, mm. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm from New York, yes, but, you know, I want to say, like, like... Like, would it be sufficient for me to just say I'm black? Yes. Yes. But in that moment, it didn't feel like it, honestly. So this Mm -hmm. my other question. My piggyback question is like, I wonder if the just in front of the black. I mean, it speaks to the larger conversation we're having that's rooted in white supremacy, Mm -hmm. because I feel like the era that I mean, I feel like all eras. Everything is better when it's mixed with. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a distancing white, from black. Right? So, like yes. when you can distance yourself mm-hmm. from black, mm-hmm. and you can say black and this yes. and this mm-hmm. and this and this and that gives you a like a sense of superiority for and, sure based on the societal norms that we yes overarchingly subscribe to in whatever way, right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. and it wasn't so, spoken. Yeah. Like no one said to me. But just if I'm honest, I felt it in my body in a very profound way mm-hmm. that I remember feeling like I'm not sure what to say here. I even thought about lying mm. because I didn't really like, you know, OK, I'll just make something up and say, OK, sure. I'm Dominican, too. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but because, because it's because mm-hmm. that's how infrequently mm-hmm. somebody said, you know, I'm from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that you asked this question because I'm able to clarify that. I agree with you that to your point around how white supremacy works, it's baked in. Yes. It's baked into everything. It's baked to into all these experiences we're all, all about to talk things. about. Things. Even before I know it's what Mary's going to say, and, before y'all know what I'm going to say. I didn't have any language for mm-hmm. this then yeah right Mm -hmm. but i feel like now i'm able to look and we're able to look and that's why these conversations are so critical because i think to your point society and and uh white supremacy has sent very clear messages that are anti-black yeah and we've all ingested that Mm -hmm. 
to the extent that it becomes a question mm-hmm. of like, well, am I ready to stand up and say that I am mm-hmm. just black mm-hmm. when all of the attention is on me? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that I can sort of so sauce to add to this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't have any other sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it took me, it took me a long well, time to, know that. but yes, <laughs> but it now, took me a long time to recognize, especially during that time, during because that time, like yes. when we were coming up, let's, let's be honest. Um, it was, uh, which is again, again, it's mm-hmm. a function of white supremacy where when you have another culture mixed with the black, then it becomes exoticized, yeah, right? Exactly. That's why yes. light-skinned niggas yes. was in in the 90s. Yes. And that's why, you know, everybody was Puerto Rican or Cherokee yeah, or, or whatever. Was, oh, you know God, what I'm saying? And it was Cherokee everything but. Into right? your, not, to, <laughs> yes. not to interrupt or bulldoze, but it just, just to segue, that's, that's when I would feel othered. Mm. Because, yes, I have other cultures mm-hmm. in my family, but I don't have one parent who is this and one parent who is right. this. Yeah, I have yeah, a yeah. multicultural family. I have a black family. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. culturally. Experience. So the experience of your family. Being being the complexion of the inside of a banana. <laughs> <laughs> the actual banana, not the pill. <laughs> um, <laughs> and freckles and, yeah. you know... Red frizzy hair. Mm-hmm. They, you know, people would ask all the time. Well, what are you mixed with? Well, mm-hmm. what are you mixed with? Yes. Well, what are you mixed with? I'll talk to you all about our Mexican heritage mm-hmm. or this or you know, but it that's not a highlight for me. Mm-hmm. It's not to 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 other myself. Right. That's yeah. just a fact. Yeah. yeah. But when other people would ask me that, it would irritate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would tell them I'm just black. Yeah. And it's funny that you said it. Yeah. In a way where it was like, I'm just and to me. I, I would I would be like I'm just black like and because to, I yes. want you all to understand that we come in so many ranges. To and your I've, point, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh my god, I have so many things I want to say. I've so- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, be respectful. Wait, no, no, um, talk. I wonder though. I find this to be the case with folks who are, and this is no shade. No, no, don't. Your complexion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We be the most militant. Black. No, because yeah. no, but seriously. Not, no, it's true. But it's it true. You are, but yeah. there's, there's also the other side, the flip side of that, where, you know, the proximity to whiteness becomes desirable and like the benefits of yes. that are more desirable than associating yourself with black, your blackness. But anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. You are someone who presents in a way where you being pro-black is still kind of like, okay, like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. different for like, uh, someone and I'm like a more phenotypically yes. dark black person like uh, Kia or myself. Even I'm going to be like, received differently. Black, it's yeah. going to be received very differently. Yeah, it right? is. It's yes. and that's just something too that annoys me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, it's just ugh. well, again, we have to think about the and system. That's, you know that, what I mean? I'm not trying to yeah, be disparaging girl, in any way. The system that we're <laughs> operating in, uh-huh. right? has made these distinctions like hundreds of thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And have have literally based the criteria for blackness on those phenotypical, mm-hmm. phenotypical yes. physical mm-hmm. traits or characteristics, mm-hmm. right? Without really thinking about the homogeneity of blackness mm-hmm. and the and the richness of the and the range of the diaspora and and um Consequently, the diasporic experience. Mm-hmm. And so it really makes me think like, you know, when you say that, I think about like later on, of course, in my adult life, 
Um, even now, though, Mary, and I don't know, I'm going to ask you if you get this. Exp- people say to me. Like, I have gotten pushed back around, like, what are you? Mm. And when I say that I'm black, it's like, are you sure? Mm. Uh, people have, of course, um, even a few days ago when we were in Paris and this man walked up to me. Just threw that in there. We're and right. he was like, <laughs> he was like, where are you from? You hear that light? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, again, we're having a global conversation. <laughs> so I was, in, when I was with Crystal and this man walked up to us and was like, where, uh, where are you from? And I said, I'm from New York. And he was like, oh, you have very Jamaican features. Mm-hmm. And so my mind started thinking, like, I know a lot of Jamaicans. But mm-hmm. also, nigga, like, <laughs> also, <laughs> also. I mean, and I'm like, what does that mean? Uh-huh. I know a lot of Jamaicans. All of them look. And I mean, I wasn't offended, right? Yeah. Thank you. I look. I have Jamaican. I literally said, thank you. Thank you. Um, but he was like, you know, you, you're from New York. Where are your people from? I said, the United States, like, mm-hmm. like you know, the mm-hmm. South. Uh, really? Are you sure? Uh, so, like, I, I'm not sure because do you know? Well, how this I'm not sure, and you, a complete stranger, right, would know better no, than me. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing. And, yeah. and when I went to yeah. when we go to the Dominicans. Right. And mm-hmm. because my hair had a little curl to it, it was yeah. softer, they would be like, oh, no, mm-hmm. like, you're not, you're not. Yeah. What are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. mix with? You know, what do you mix it's with? It's always something. It's always a, it's, it's another feature of, yeah. of whiteness. Even LaToya. Yeah. LaToya mm-hmm. used to tease me in, in college because she said I had an Aryan nose. <gasps> She mm. said my nose is pointy mm. to be like, you know, and she's mm-hmm. teasing. Of course. Yeah. But she would just be like, look at the kid with that little cute little area nose. <laughs> <laughs> but like, these are the things, mm-hmm. right, that we hear. And yeah. I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like, when you say what you are, do people question? Mm-hmm. Uh, do people uh, sort of push back on however you identify because they think that you physically look different than whatever you might say? Uh, absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like in general, people don't, it's, I get it less now, mm. except for from white people. So I'm just going to dismiss them from that part of the conversation because, because they just be saying crazy part? stuff. And like, I'll why say I'm Nigerian and they ask a question. I'm like, well, how would you know what? Anyway. <coughs> sure. So here you go. I think we there's just a lot more, um, there's just a lot more accessibility to Nigerian culture via music mm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. So like Nigerian culture is a little bit more globally recognized mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. growing up mm-hmm. different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of people, even just black folks mm-hmm. didn't have enough information about what it meant to be African, that Africa was a continent, yes. not a country. Mm-hmm. And yes. so when I say mm-hmm. I'm from this place, you can't be like, Oh, so-and-so in Ethiopia, that's different. They're mm-hmm. different from me because mm-hmm. that's not the same. Completely country. different, mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. different country. Um, so what would happen is there's this mentality about what an African person looks like. So to black folks, I'm like, I'm Nigerian, but you light skin, what you mix with? Okay, yeah. well, I'm not light skin number one, right. but the, in their mind, <laughs> Africans are pitch black. And so yeah. if I'm not that, then I must be African and something else, which mm-hmm. is why I'm this Brown. complexion. Yeah, And it was just always shocking. I'm like, no, it was born there to yeah. Nigerian parents. <laughs> to be exactly. Like, I know. Mm-hmm. And I will exact. say that like, in defense of that mentality, even me as a Nigerian born in Nigeria, because I grew up in the United States, my experience growing up is very much rooted in the black American experience. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is, right? Mm-hmm. That's where I grew up, the communities I grew up in, et cetera. 
So going back to Nigeria as an adult completely shifted the way that mm. I was always pretty pro-black and that's just another thing. But I feel like it changed. It opened my mind to a lot of the why folks are as ignorant as they are about the continent on so many different levels. Wow. But in terms of just the the oh gosh, the breadth and with that we span in terms of just black people and blackness and the way that presents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was blown away in Nigeria. This is one country. Mm. I did not span the whole country. I went from Lagos to Enugu, maybe so like east to west. Okay, mm -hmm. whatever. But people looked completely different in different ethnic groups. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. And so we underestimate how, yes, you might be Nigerian, but like geography, what you eat, things mm. like that shape an ethnic group to look a particular way. Mm -hmm. So I saw in certain regions, folks were really dark skinned. In certain regions, people were lighter than me. In certain regions, it, it was shades were all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that just made me think like, this is just Nigeria, one right. country. Yeah. And right. I'm not even seeing the entire country. Right. Yeah. And it just felt so reflective of blackness yes. in general to yes. me. And it made so much more sense why people can't pinpoint us because even within one West African country where a lot of us came from, there's so much diversity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. we as a people are just diverse. Yeah. It just is what it is. And mm -hmm. the rhetoric and the, I, and maybe, maybe but I, I think language and history would have us to believe that that richness of diversity does not exist or we're not ever given opportunity to truly appreciate it. Yes. Right. Um, because before colonizers came to the continent, we were trading amongst ourselves. Why would we need to trade if we were all the same? We right. didn't have anything to trade. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. It can take a couple of tries, but when it's right, you shouldn't even feel it. I'm talking about tampons, people. Now, while pads are great, I was a pad girl for a long stretch of my period having life. Tampons give you more flexibility and freedom. I remember the first time I was going on a little beach party weekend and my period came on. Can you envision stress? My homegirl, shout out to sisters, showed me how to use a tampon and I was free. I'm talking fly like a bird or I guess more like swim like a dolphin, but you get the point. Prior to using tampons, I felt limited on my period. Once I found out they can protect the same as my pad and it shouldn't hurt, it took me a couple of tries to get it right. But I learned how to properly insert a tampax and I didn't and still don't even feel it. Tampax allows me the freedom and flexibility to do everything I want on my period. No, no. <laughs> these are well, and that, and I think I think these are important conversations, right? And then we stop ourselves because they get uncomfortable. Yeah. But also, like, they're important. And I don't want people to think that we're having the conversation because it's a hot button. No, you know, like, or you know, it's not hot enough. I was going to say, not hot the enough. opportunity. Mm -hmm. that what frustrates me about these conversations is that we talk about. The differences or mm -hmm. the offenses, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the offensive things that were said, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the, you know, defense, the things that were said in response. But we don't talk about sort of the source where the they come yeah. from. Yes. yes. And um, like we talk about all the time, if we're not interrupting the narrative. We're perpetuating it in very intentional ways, yes. whether we want to or, or we don't. Yeah. And so I, I feel like we don't talk about. You know, the things that are contributing to the persistence of these things and, and listening to Mary's comments, 
I'm so glad that you talked about your experience of going back to Nigeria as an adult Mm -hmm. and really sort of experiencing the range um, and the depth of of blackness there. Mm -hmm. Because I think what that said to me is like we talk about anti-blackness. And white supremacy, but a lot of times only within the context of America. Yes. yes. When they are global yeah. concepts, enterprises, systems, yes. mechanisms, all of that. It which started is globally. Which is where it originated. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the the manifestations of it are felt at the local and immediate level. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about what is the reason... Yes. We have to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would love if you could talk a little bit about like sort of the ways that you think that anti-blackness exists even in Nigeria. Oh. <laughs> so I'll talk about that first okay. that first trip. It was really interesting because okay, I'm, I'm going to take a couple steps back. Mm-hmm. Coming to the US, my mom did not want to come here. It was it happened the way that it did. Mm-hmm. So she had a bit of a resentful mm. energy toward America in general and just like how hard it is here, how people don't really live in community, et cetera, et cetera. Cause mm-hmm. she's comparing it to her experience being at home. And so, you know, I heard like Nigerians get together in community and it's like, ah, why can't they just go to school? Why can't they just do this talking about black folks? Right. And that narrative really started to change with my mom as we were in, in black communities and in certain systems where it, I think she then started to realize, oh, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. a systematic mm-hmm. thing here, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the narrative just started to change. And my mom has always just been super pro-black, even even within that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will say, going home to Nigeria that that time, what I noticed, it just was like, oh, God, I knew these things were systematic. But there were so many aha moments any time I saw any form of media if it was an image, if it was television, if it was a movie, anything that was even available to watch in Nigeria was something portraying, if black Americans were involved, they were always being portrayed in a negative light 100% of the time. There was no like positive Denzel movie, none of that. It was always whatever you can imagine. Crime. Yes. Drugs. Mm-hmm. And it was all, that, that was the, those were the news headlines. And it was just like jarring to me because mm-hmm. at this point I'm like, and I, I would see Inglewood and these neighbors. I'm like, well, I live there and that's not, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, not, that's not how it's, how it is all the time. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, there might be a drive by here and there, but like there's a, things happen here too. It's like, I, it was just so clear why I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, so then y'all come to America, Nigerians. And you're like, Ooh, stay away from, I don't want to be associated with that. And not realizing that like, when that cop pulls you over, my friend, my brother, yeah. <laughs> he's not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, you're Nigerian? No, to him, you're yeah, a nigga. Exactly. Just like every other nigga. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that becomes very, very real when you get that, like, when you, that uh, continental experience, mm-hmm. when you have both. Because you're like, oh, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different. And especially growing up in it, I felt another question I was going to ask you when you were saying earlier that you get offended and then you pull back. I was going to ask mm-hmm. what specifically offends you, but I found myself in Nigeria getting offended mm. as a Nigerian. But like the way that just hearing things that people would say, I'm like, well, black people aren't like that. That's not how it is. Like, well, that's not what it's like. And I just felt it's like more, it was, it's more, it's more of that, well, right? Not, some, exactly. Some, the math isn't math. Yeah. But then I also started to notice how in Nigeria, 
and this is like very widespread across the continent, specifically in West Africa and colonized countries. We know what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like the aspiration to whiteness, the oh, way girl. that like the British standard is like the highest oh, standard my God. in Nigeria. Oh my God. The way that if you're lighter, you're perceived as beautiful. The way that people bleach their skin, bleach the, the way s- that people will actually say out loud that they're looking for a white person because they want half caste kids because anything mixed kids, mm-hmm. that's proximity to whiteness. That means I was flabbergasted when i went to lalu's <laughs> art show uh, a couple of years back and he 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 talked a lot about colonialism in nigerian culture mm-hmm. through his own experience so he had a wall of polar polaroids because we all know he has incredible art but he had a wall of polaroids that that he had from home and his one of them was his uh high school picture mm-hmm. with the George Washington oh, colonial wig. Uh-huh. And yeah. and he talked about how that is like the graduation look for the males. Mm-hmm. And it is it they including the wig. Colonial, yes. like yeah. George Washington. I oh, was if you go to court, blown. I still wear the wig. I was blown by that. Black yeah, girl. people. Girl, Nigerians, Nigerians we girl. In the wigs. In the white wig. Yeah, so but even when ridiculous. we went, when Tristan and I went to Jamaica <laughs> last year. I did not I, know that. Oh, it's stunned. very ridiculous. Oh, it was I was the most, I was I was shocked, like sweaty Kira. and like a sweat bag. <laughs> I'm just I'm like, uncle, take it off. And they are white <laughs> colonial wow. wigs. And the, the, uh-uh. the boys wear it for graduation. Like she said, the judges, wear the, they wear it in the courts. And um, baristas, as they like to call it. Baristas? Yeah. Oh, no. uh, barista. That's oh. A lawyer. Oh, I was like, Barista, is that making Not call? Like, <laughs> down <laughs> like down to the start? Like down to the start. Barista. Yeah. She's a barista. My sister's but a barista. as to your question, yeah, I, 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 I get offended because it's very uh, initially, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a it's a defense where I'm like, well, I'm not like that. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people I know ain't like that. And it's very much like if it don't apply, let it fly, girl, because mm-hmm. I also know people who are like, what? it's like if I say somebody, I'm like, I ain't like blah, blah, blah from Florida. And I'm like, well, everybody from Florida ain't like, ain't like that. Yes. But it's also, just. Also, the thing is that, that even the people that are, quote, like that. And in this in this case, I'm talking about uh, folks who are in the prison industrial system. system. I think that, not I think. Nigerians and Nigeria have zero concept of that system in itself and how it, it was a function to dismantle the black family. Mm-hmm. I, I, there are period. Americans and who so, don't understand period. how bad, the, how, how corrupt the prison in. system so, are. So when, we, when, when there's literally a system in place to remove black men from, from the their home. families, mm-hmm. to create this dynamic of this, I don't even want to go into the whole dynamic because that's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen to those black men? So there's a system at play here. It's not just these crazy people who are running amok, even though there's all of these things available to them and they could just take all of these incredible opportunities that are at their disposal. I think it's when Nijas come here and they have to, they're in it themselves. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh. that's why even a lot of Nigerians who I'm just going to say, Nijas, don't don't get mad at me. Nigerians who are doing well in Nigeria don't want to come and live here. Why? Come and suffer? I for mean, what? I mean, I you understand. Know, like, I, the Wahala. For, I get it. I told you when my cousin yeah. was coming here. Um, oh, yes. When she was coming to the U.S., she was coming to the U.S. for a work <laughs> conference in Boston. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she's like, I'll come and visit you and whatever. So I'm asking her, okay, you're going to be in the United States of America from Nigeria. Like, where do you want to go? She's like, I'm like, where have you thought about? She's like, I never thought about it. I was like, why, girl? She's like, 
you know, they were holla there. Just never even crossed. Like, she never even considered. I don't blame you. Coming to the US because she's like, I'm doing well over here. I don't need to go. I get, but I get it. I understand. I get it. I'm like, I wish I had somewhere to go. And I think a lot of Americans have have a a crazy arrogance. Yeah. Like, well, why wouldn't you want to come over here? Well, girl, why would they? We have to think. Yeah. When I was younger, you couldn't tell me that that. LA was not full of drive-bys all the time. Mm, it within the country. The media. Yeah. Yeah. The media. But I think really? the, and, and there's like we have to we talk about these systems and all these words that we use across different episodes of getting grown. And I'm even like illuminating intersectionality, mm-hmm. those conversations, all of these things, right? We have to think about in America, whiteness is the ideal. Yes. Um, and so anything that is not that, you know, it's it's, it's proximity to whiteness is always the carrot. Yes. That's what everyone and is it's chasing. It's not just in America. It's, it's world not. globally. Why? Yeah. But yeah, globally, proximity to whiteness. And so we have these things like meritocracy and ethnocentrism. Mm-hmm. You know, they all the lies that would make, you know, that rhetoric around this being the land of opportunity mm-hmm. and everyone, the playing field is level and mm-hmm. everyone can come here and have access yes. to the same thing. All of these lies, that's right? Mm-hmm. And so, but but we have to recognize that this is the information that's been in our textbooks. It's been on our TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of our lives, not just here in America, but like you're saying, everywhere. Yes. And so mm-hmm. conversely, when we think about places like Florida, the banning of, of, of these books. Yeah. The banning of the study of these. The, the, yeah. What I feel like this Sex is... Sex education. It is... We have to be conscious, right? Mm-hmm. The reason why... Of, of the reason why these things are being banned mm-hmm. is because all of the, the, They're banning the truth. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Which is... Absolutely. Ha- and they've watered down the truth so long, which is why... They're trying to change it. Which is it. why it's we have a limited... Uh, knowledge until you d- dive deeper right exactly. unless you go into a specific study in school so we have unless to you have parents who were extremely intentional yeah. who also we have to realize a lot of our parents were not taught all that either a lot of this right. stuff is experience yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? I mean respectability all yeah. the things oh. that we that we've been steeped mm-hmm. in and it's just going the unlearning that we have to do it's not just for white folk mm-hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. oh, I think it's mm-hmm. most important that we unlearn within our own communities oh, absolutely. because absolutely. I don't believe that White people are here to, I mean, we know they're not here to save us, but they're not, they're not the solution. We're the solution. Well, they're, they, they have are. a responsibility. They have a responsibility for that sure. That is theirs because of their identity. Mm-hmm. I also feel like we have a responsibility that is ours because yeah. of our identity. Within yeah. our community. And I think we have these conversations and we can go back and forth. It's not about picking sides. The fact of the matter is people are people, mm-hmm. right? And it's easy. We've been socialized to sort of characterize, oh, everybody from New York does this. Mm-hmm. Everybody from Nigeria does this. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that we were trained uh, cognitively to think about people. But our work is in unlearning that and resisting that and pushing yeah. pushing back. And especially I think our work happens in, in, in the relationships that are in that are most proximate to us. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. it is when my grandfather says something crazy, I got to be mm-hmm. like now. Same. Yeah, if if yeah. if my family says something disparaging, and that's that's going back to what you were asking earlier. Mm-hmm. If my family says something disparaging about immigrants, mm-hmm. I get irritated. Yeah. If immigrants say, say something, something disparaging yeah. about us, I get irritated and I realize that is because foundationally I know 
white supremacy is 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 the right. culprit in all of this. It's the gluten that's weaved throughout this bread. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that is where I'm like, I want us wholeheartedly, all of us across the board yeah, totally. to chill out on each other yeah. and recognize where all this comes from. I was saw some TikTok videos the other day where they're like, well, black Americans don't know where they come from and da 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 da. And it was somebody who was who was who was British. And then it was somebody else who was Caribbean. And I'm like, do you, let's talk about boats and water. Also, that's, that, that, that <laughs> like, topic is so played to me that it's just like, it's it is. in 2023, like, it's crazy that, that any about, of us are that saying, saying that. Anybody's still yeah, saying, like, but people are saying it in droves and it's so wild. It's so dumb. It's so wild to me. Wild sorry, to I, me. Just, I think that's a ridiculous, I don't even think that's a conversation to have now. Exactly. I, I get that that's not my personal experience, so I can say that, but I would just be like, okay, and Nick. I, right. I'm like, girl, that's not, what boats and water, girl. About? Boats and water every time. About? <laughs> every just, time. I feel like as black folks, we always talk about this, like we'll say all skin folk ain't kin folk, mm-hmm. right? And I think for me, the root of that is that we're just diverse as a people, we're right. not a monolith. Mm-hmm. within any of our communities like across the diaspora yeah. we're not monolithic and so i think that that diversity is actually our strength if we yeah. embrace Absolutely. it rather than we being like well it, yeah. y'all don't do this and y'all don't do that and they do this versus this is like that's everyone it. does what they do that's and, cool let's that's all resistance. just try and like pull all yes. those resources yes so that we're stronger as a u- diasporic unit and that is resistance in yes. and of itself i think yes. those of us there are lots of people who think that we have to be on the front lines of the protest and for some that is a, their place that is our work yeah but for i mean resistance starts internally mm-hmm. and it. it starts in the relationships most proximate to you yeah i think what i hear when, you, when you're saying this what's coming to mind for me is that i think Another sort of precept of white supremacy is this notion that difference is bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We all have to resist. We have to learn how to be proud. Like I am proud. Why is it that I have to be ashamed? Mm-hmm. Or why is okay, I'll say it this way. Why do I have to disparage you to affirm me? Mm-hmm. Hello, the Holocaust. That started yes. because well, somebody was out of their minds. Yes. And then also a difference. Yes. We need to all, everybody needs to be blonde hair, blue eyed, and I'm it saying. needs to be pure. Exactly. This notion of purity that has been misused and mm-hmm. misappropriated. Mm-hmm. They love to lie on my Jesus mm-hmm. and everybody else when it comes <laughs> to that. But that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. But this idea that there is one standard. Um, one place and we're all sort of aspiring to this whatever when the truth of the matter is there are things that you bring to the conversation that I can't yep. yeah. there are things that I bring to the conversation that you can't yep. and we are better together and we exactly. are better together and then yes. there are things that we like when I went when yes. I was in Holland and I and I I recognized I was like okay it's still it's different out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's one thing different. I recognize with the black people out there, Surinamese, wherever their origins are, they there's a sauce because we as a people have a sauce, mm-hmm. right? And so they see each other. Because my friend was telling me who moved there, she was like, one thing I feel like when I speak Dutch, I'm not myself. She was like, because it's not an expressive language. Mm. But 
her partner, who is Dutch raised, but Caribbean born, and all his friends, they see each other, they go, fuck, uh, that's like, what's up? Mm -hmm. And I said, look at black people across the board, no matter where where we we are, we're we're going to find our own language, sauce, drip, it's going to be that. And I think that is a beautiful foundation that I see weave through us as a people, which then speaks to the difference we're talking about. But there's also a similarity. We have that as well. Commonality. Mm -hmm. There's so much we have in common, much more than, than we do not. Yeah. And, but it's easier for me to uh, get ahead when I step on you. Exactly. That's, that's the, the part mis- that we have to. Consumption. That's the part that we have to resist. Yeah. Because and then I. That's what I've started What's asking people when I'm in conversations or in context with this tension between you know uh, immigrants or mm-hmm. you know foreign born blacks and black Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always ask, okay, so what? Like, like the so what? So let's just say that what you're saying is true. What does that change fundamentally about uh either of our experience Uh of the world? Usually it's nothing. Yeah. And so when we can sit back here and go back and forth around who is the better black. Mm -hmm. Right. But in the end of the day. We we are wasting time. That's it. Over these things that really don't mean anything. They don't mean nothing. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. where that irritation I was telling you all that rises up. That's where I ground it. Yeah. Because I say to myself, there are amazing people across the board. Yeah. Diasporically, because right now we only talking to us. Sorry, y'all. And... Also, there are trifling people across yes. the board. Everywhere. Because people are people. Because people, people are, are people. 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 There will are be humans. amazing people yep. of color. Yep. There will be people of color who are trash. Yes. yes. There will be white people who are stand-up people. Yep. There will be white people who are trash. Yeah. yeah. And so it, we could go back and forth and try to characterize and do a statistic game. But at the end of the day... What does it matter yeah. when? <laughs> what? what does it, what does it matter? That, that's what I'm saying, though. Like yeah. when we get down into yeah. the depth. I remember one time I was in my doc program, and one of the one of my uh, cohort mates said something along the lines of like, "Well, you know, foreign-born blacks go to elite institutions," mm. and it just came out of yeah, her. It's always some so <laughs> smoothly <laughs> that I had to catch myself because I was like, "She really believes that." Yeah, that's that's not something that is she foreign-born. Yes. It's not something that Mm -hmm. I don't, I I believe that that was something that she'd heard all her life Mm -hmm. and she believed it. And it was just so common knowledge to her that her saying it amongst mm -hmm. black Americans Mm -hmm. didn't even register to her that that was a wild thing to say. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was push her on it. I'm like, so, okay, if that is true, I don't, I know that it's not, Mm -hmm. but if that is true, if you and I ended up in this program at the same time, then what are we, what is, what is. We're neck and neck, girl. <laughs> like so, and neck and, and neck. I want you to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because regardless of where your mom and daddy are from, you look You're like me black. in here, right. girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to the, all the other white people mm-hmm. that are in this room, they don't look at you and say, "Oh, she is from uh, Senegal." They yeah. don't say that. Yeah. No, they say, "Oh, look at them it's three two black, black girls, girls yeah. over there." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Look at that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, I mean, we could go back and forth. And I'm sure there are black Americans. I'm not saying that to say that only um, I've heard offensive things 
from black immigrants toward black Americans. I've also heard of black Americans say offensive things yeah. about yeah. immigrants. Yeah. And then the conversation is, so what? Like, you know, like, and then you want to get deeper. I've heard light skinned people have oh. gotten, been comfortable saying crazy shit to me. Girl, just because y'all cousin fucking does not mean we're doing that over here. No, no, no. Chill it's, out. No. I, and I think as a, women, I mean, we, mm-hmm. it's, I've heard it so, so many times, right? I've heard me and Toy were talking about a comment, a, um, mutual acquaintance that we both had um and she had she had said some problematic things about dark skin girls like as a light skin mm-hmm. girl she feels like dark skin girls are mean to her hmm. and i know she was like i know but you know that's been my experience all the ones that have given me a hard time have been dark and so wow. that's just what i believe that's so, a problem okay, that's okay, a okay. that's a problem that, so that is a problem girls are mean. so all dark skin mm-hmm. girls are mean to you mm-hmm. yeah that's a problem <laughs> that's a problem okay so are you so are we yeah. the problem right exactly <laughs> so then say all light skin girls are stuck up then let's yeah. just like well, let's just, just do we this can all go back across and the forth. board but it doesn't it doesn't solve it doesn't anything. solve anything we just we have not to generalize true. ourselves in that way at all i right. mean we have to work to resist against the compulsion yes because i think at this point generalization prejudicial behavior, discrimination. Yes. We've all sort of been steeped in this white supremacy tea so. all of our lives, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we have to be very conscious about resisting yep. conversations. And I just hate, I have had to make a choice to like not go back and forth on the internet with this because I feel like we get in this oh, cycle. I won't. I won't. I don't, I don't, That's why I said, let me bring this conversation here. Yeah. Yeah. Not the internet. I'm not commenting on your TikTok. We want, no, we want to move the conversation forward. Yeah. If there are ways that getting grown can partner with other people to create containers for meaningful conversation that mm-hmm. will help get us all mm-hmm. ahead. Yep. Give us all some tools for negotiating these things. Give us all some things that we can agree to do within our proximate relationships to change the narrative and move the conversation forward. That's the reason why and we there would are do people a show out like there this. who are doing that. Yeah, like, so shout out to Kalechi. You know what I'm saying? Kalechi has these has so these many move forward conversations, so many. these productive conversations to make sure that we understand understand that we are unified foundationally because i think that's the most important thing like even even whenever i'm in nigeria i feel oh gosh it just makes me feel so much more proud to be just black Mm -hmm. not just nigerian but black specifically Mm -hmm. and the reason why is like it's just so interesting how i mean i talked to you about this jay just because you're a chef even just in the food the way Mm -hmm. that we're connected the way like I can taste the original, like I can, and then I taste the derivative. And mm-hmm. I just think that's such yeah. a beautiful mm-hmm. thing when yeah. you, mm-hmm. when you travel throughout the diaspora and see the ways that like black folks have, have remained connected yes. actually, yes. like, yes. and been creative in the ways that we remain connected. Yeah. So these conversations about that are divisive don't make no sense. Yeah. Because even in the way that we eat, dress, blah, yes. blah, blah, we remain connected to this thread. Your mom made me okra soup. Yeah. Right. And recently I made, I saw it. I made fish stew and And it's so similar the best parts of the series that you did with Hans that was the best part for me because I said that I don't know know if you didn't see it on Twitter but I was like I want Jade and I to have a conversation about rice Mm -hmm. because I feel Mm -hmm. like rice is one of those things right that is quintessentially African yeah that is one unequivocally. Of, that African, is one of the right? main reasons that but, we are period. even here right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> but if we think like, about y'all got all this, yeah. Yes. If we think and about I'm all sure. of the ways that rice shows up, right? 
It's and actually quite magical. It is. Yeah. Think about Honestly, it. like, magical. I'm like, this is a movie. This is a documentary. Yep. It's we can literally have the conversation about all the ways that, right. And I mean, it's not just we enjoy rice, but there's, we have a, a cultural commitment. There's a tie. Oh, yes. Low we, country red rice is, <laughs> is, is a, a derivative of jollof. Like, we, yeah. we have, all, yes. jambalaya is a it's derivative a strong, of jollof. Yes. Like, it we is. We are in it. We're yeah. in it. We, we are in it. We have to recognize we rice. We, 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 we rice across the gravy. We rice We rice and stew. We love rice with the sauce. We gravy. You know I can't. Across the diaspora, you gonna get some rice. You gonna get some. We're gonna get a gravy of some or of some origin. What a time! It doesn't tomato, flour, whatever base. You're gonna get a good season sauce. Dry rice. Dry. They be putting butter and sh- oh, I don't. I just know. Oh, I do love give a, me a sauce. No, give no, me a stew. I do love a buttered rice with some oh, salt and pepper. I do pepper. love a buttered rice. And you know, oh. I told you, my grandma what? would have us. Oh, that's very. We now that's very Black American. <laughs> sometimes we would have rice with sugar and butter. No. Yeah. Oh Heck no, I don't yes. do the sugar. I, oh, God. We would have, but we would have I'm as sorry. a side, I'm like sorry. on a Tuesday or Thursday. My mom might make roasted chicken. She's gonna make some broccoli or some spinach or some some kind of green vegetable. And the rice. And then white rice and we. Butter, salt, and mm-hmm. pepper. Because but you're eating with the chicken and broccoli. Though. Yeah, you made but it you seem like you were just sitting eating a bowl of rice with, with salt and pepper. No, if it was poor a side. Enough, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was like a side. Yeah, like because in my so um, I was like, ooh, just I don't grit. I don't grit, but oh, I, I did grit. grow I up in a, a grits household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, listen, save your judgment. I'm no telling judges, you, I don't no grit. Judges. But in my household, <laughs> mm-hmm. there was a division, right? Because my grandmother and my mom, they salt and peppered yeah. with their grits. Yeah. But the kids, like every, they sugared. Yeah. yeah that's, and so mm. when we, like, for those of us who didn't grit, grandma would often make us rice. Mm-hmm, and you would have mm-hmm, it with your breakfast mm-hmm, meat or mm-hmm, your egg. Okay. It would be like a side, like potatoes, but mm-hmm. sometimes it would be rice. And it, if you sugar and butter, it can give very much like a porridge. Um, but if you like rice that, pudding. why don't you grit? Is it too like the small? It's the, the grit is the grain. Like yeah. I actually, I like both. I feel like I have and sweet mm-hmm. grits depending um, on the situation. I think it depends upon yeah. the circumstance, yeah. right? But I'm just saying all of that to say. <laughs> The difference. I'm the difference is. Food. I'm like, mm. Yes. <laughs> sugar. I know. Oh, yours just really so I'm like, very anti. I'm very anti. Anti-sugar. Yeah, anti anti-sugar. Yeah, I'm anti-sugar on grits. I'm anti-sugar on... Even if you're having it with like a bacon and just some yeah, other nah. savory Mm-mm. thing. Oh, man. No, I don't want it. Yeah, I love my sugar. I grit it too much. I think I had was... The grits were poured into me as a child. <laughs> yeah. And I view, vowed that when I became old you enough to say grit. I did not want them. Okay, fair. I, I, what about I, cream of wheat? Stuck, I, we've never cream of wheat. Oh, oh, I hate cream of wheat. Nigerians love cream of wheat. I hate I've it. I've never so had it. I've never no, even I, seen disgusting. it. I cream of wheat. I farina. Oh, I I've never even porridge. seen cream of wheat oh. outside of the box. Like I see it on the supermarket oh. and be like, that's not my business. No, but God oh, see, that's See, that's why I want sugar and grit because I cream of wheat or I farina or I cornmeal porridge. So I'm like, no, my grits are savory. My breakfast cereals are sweet. Fair. I mean, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> but it's also delicious with some bacon and and like. Ooh, and I'm like just saying, nice if you pancake. get a really I good have hot up some quality, bacon in my oatmeal though. See, I that's what I'm say. saying. It's the same thing. The savory yeah. combination. The savory is, but and I just the sweet. don't want the sweet to be my grits. But why, if you could do it with an oatmeal? Why are you trying to sway me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, to be honest. But this is the part. I don't know. This is the part. But see, this is a passion of black people and food. But I also feel like like we're talking about difference. We have to allow difference to exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without judgment. 
Yeah. It's not like Like Jake. niggas who put ketchup on eggs. Yuck. But Ooh, let you do. I'll let you. I'll I'm let you sorry. do it. Kid does that. Well, I don't egg. <laughs> oh. I don't really egg like that. Okay. And so I feel like I need a carrier. <laughs> I need to, I need to get it through. Isn't that Jerry's or Who put boiled egg in jollof? Or, I'm much more of a hot sauce or like these days, in though. More than stew or like just a boiled egg. It'd be a boiled no. egg with stuff. It's it might be Ghanaians. It's in it's something called moi moi, which uh-huh. is like a bean uh, patty thing. And okay. sometimes people put boiled egg in that, and you might have it with stew. No, I've been seeing people but... eat like jollof and stew and like a boiled egg in it. Wow. But they Maybe might they be Ghanaian. Are trying to get some extra protein? I Maybe I don't protein. know. I don't know about that. I don't <laughs> know Nigerians that do that, but that just that Nigerians, might be I'm, that might be Ghanaian. That might be Ghanaian. I'm not trying to speak for all Nigerians. Fair. Because people like, well, we do that here. Okay. Okay, girl. I'm so sorry. This how I do mine. <laughs> um, no, but I think this has been dope, and as I'm saying, like I was, like we were saying before, I, I'm excited about conversations like this, and yeah. I hope that we can continue to have them. Yeah, I think um, we need to continue to have for sure them. because essential. I'm tired of arguing. I'm and not going arguing. back and forth. I feel like yeah, what are the ways that we not. can sort of move this conversation forward in mm-hmm. a way. Well, we can start to call white folks out, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, because, I mean, let's get to the meat of the matter here. We're Argue down Argue with weeds. yourself internally before you bring it to the internet or any platform, because if you really kind of kind of start to rationalize things, you'll realize that a lot of, <laughs> that a lot of this, where it's all steep from, yeah. and that is the white supremacy. Well, can I it's ask y'all both a answer. question or pose a question? Mm-hmm. Please. What do you wish that folks knew about black Americans or the black American mm. experience, immigrants, particularly diaspora and immigrants. That's what we're talking about. Mm. What do you wish that folks knew that they would take into consideration when speaking on giving opinions, et cetera? I think what you said uh, resonated with me around the systemic nature yeah. of uh, the, the quote black American experience. Yeah. 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 I think what is always, uh, discouraging to me as a black American is that no one ever gives us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whatever is said about us is believed. Mm -hmm. We're lazy. We're stupid. We're trifling. It's not questioned. It's not, it's not uh, probed. Yeah. It's not critiqued. It is like, well, if the news says that Mm -hmm. all black people are this way, then they are. Yeah. And um, we, I think what I would hope is that people recognize uh, how powerless we have been mm-hmm. over time, mm-hmm. and we are working and mobilizing, and what what it what that even looks like from behind, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the live meritocracy that makes everyone believe that when you arrive on the sandy shores of this country, mm-hmm. you are afforded with a bevy of opportunity. Yeah, right. And that is the rhetoric that has been spewed out. But the truth of the matter is Mm -hmm. there are generations of us who were brought here against our will, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. viewed as property in Mm -hmm. this country for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about when legislation passed that acknowledged our humanity as actual people Mm -hmm. and citizens of this country, that has not been a long time from this day. Yeah. That part. People forget that. And furthermore. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that, like like I said, there's tropes of us being lazy, stupid, of being shiftless, all these things. And going to your point of, the, of it being systemic, 
a lot of uh, people will talk about how uh, foreign-born people will come over to America, and they're like, look, somebody who comes from such and such comes and opens businesses. And how works come their way And up. y'all can't do that same thing. We have redlining. There's so many, so many things that have come into <laughs> play policies, that yeah. have not that have not allowed us those opportunities. I also want to say something. I'm sorry to interject, but I want to interject because I think this is a super important point that people don't talk about. There is a favoritism sometimes that white folks will give mm. African immigrants mm-hmm. because there is an expectation that you're going to work and you, you're going to work super hard because immigrants just have you know, there's the white folks that think immigrants are lazy, but the white folks that know how much they benefit from immigrant labor because they know how hard immigrants actually work. Which is like, how can and you think they're lazy if you benefit? That part. And <laughs> like the thing is, when when Nigerians, I can speak for Nigerians, come to the U.S., the idea is like, work as hard as you can, do as much as you can, get the best, get, get as much as you can because mm-hmm. you're afforded the opportunity to mm-hmm. be in the U.S. And I feel like white folks sometimes would be like, okay, she's Nigerian or you're from here, okay. Oh, Africans, one, they want to feel like they're saving the African children or whatever. So they're giving you that opportunity. Oh, there's also that. There's that. And then mm-hmm. there's the like, well, I feel like they're going to work, work harder because they're not a they're not a regular type of black person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, not to interject, but I want to say that because I think Africans really, really overlook that. I think a lot of people overlook that because they don't do the research. They don't yeah. read. They don't the want to know. Said. Tristan has said it to me yeah. before. Black Americans are afforded all these opportunities. You all are born mm-hmm. in this country. And this has been See? years ago, right? Yeah. We've had this, yes. this dialogue for years. Yeah. But originally it was, y'all are born in this country and you already have citizenship in this. And I'm like, let me stop you right Please. there. Yeah. That's all we got. Let me help because yeah. you have a passport for Trinidad and you have, this is what we have here because we were born here. But also we are shortchanged across the board. We are cut at the feet the across the board. And, and it's been. not an excuse, right? Yeah. A lot of people like to say that we use it as an excuse as well. It's, it's, it's not an excuse. It's the truth. Yeah. A lot of times we've been taught to do things to be safe. So we sometimes we are not afforded those opportunities to be able to expand out and say, I'm going to open my. Now we are getting to that place, right? Yeah. But yeah. coming up, it was like, get a good job. Make sure you can pay your rent. Keep your head low. Mm-hmm. Make sure your family's good. Yeah. That would be stay it. Out of trouble, yeah. Stay out of trouble. Stay out of stay what does that even mean? Yeah. Where does the stay what does the stay out of trouble mean? Mm-hmm. Y'all know what it means. Yes. All of this comes from the same place. Yeah. And the rhetoric that is spread, I think, even internationally, is again, this is how white people want you all to view us. Yes. So I want you to dig deeper and understand that this is how white people across the board want you to view us. Capitalism requires this kind of uh separation 100%. this kind of hierarchy yeah it demands that there'll be people on the top and people on the bottom yeah mm-hmm. and i mean for the same reasons that you know even if you back there's some i saw it online recently but there was some documentary or some work about like if you think about even go back to some of the campaign documents from presidents like fdr or even theodore roosevelt and they were talking about i think it was fdr specifically oh and he was um I'm, I'm not a historian, so I'm probably going to mess this up. But there was something, was it around the New Deal or something? Mm-hmm. But there was something around uh, that pushing that particular legislation. A strategy of his office was to go after uh, poor white people, mm-hmm. right? And the, and the goal about that was like go after them, <laughs> I mean, sort of like acquire their vote mm-hmm. by helping them to like distinguish themselves from blacks, you want to raise them up, make them believe that they are not like them. 
Yeah. And that's how you get buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. And so you'll be afforded these opportunities. And so it's literally about maintaining that mm-hmm. these social stratifications mm-hmm. that keep the power complex mm-hmm. in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be diligent, especially in the age when a certain truths of our history are being strategically silenced Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to continue Mm -hmm. to have as much conversation that we can because we need it on this side as well not to cut you off i mean the same way where i'm like people think we're dumb and this and that black americans have to do their reading and their research as well everybody in every other country is not poor right everybody in every other country is not disenfranchised everybody in every other country like just because we're here Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that everybody else otherwise is a third world country. No, and we've of, been ta- we've been fed that, Absolutely. which is another divisive. Exactly. Yes, for it's another divisive way of keeping us away from one another. Yeah, and we down here arguing over, you know, amongst ourselves and white people getting rich. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And what right. would happen if we were to pour our energy? Into building for ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah. understanding the way the system works against us yeah. and creating our own because now we are resourced and empowered mm-hmm. and positioned to do it yep. because we've created platforms like these. Yep. We've created organizations and we have capital and we have yes. resources such that we don't have to ask white folks for things yeah, I, anymore. You know, I used to say, sorry to cut you off. No, you Kia, didn't cut me off. I used to say that like... Oh, why don't black folks get um what is it called the what the Jewish folks get to go back home the Oh, th- yeah, I know it's you not know, a stipend, my yes, I, I, but you know I know what, what you're talking say. about. Um like why why don't black folks get that cuz it's like <laughs> anyway, that's like reparations that I think should be baked mm-hmm. in. But what I have loved seeing is black folks kind of reclaiming their yeah. access to the continent and just being Mm -hmm. like, I want to go to Zanzibar. So I'm just going to go because I can afford to go. And I love seeing this. Like, and even though it's mixy, the the hundred years in Ghana, like it's the the fact that black people want to go. I I love that. It's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. And I want to see more of that. And I just want to say though, one thing that, that black folks, when you are going to the continent, just do your research on the, country the particular country that you're going to and understand the particularities of that place and it doesn't matter if you've been to other african countries please don't assume that another place is going to be like the one that you've gone to because that happens all the time to me like girl oh when i was in this country i'm like i don't know about that country I'm i mean Nigerian, you shouldn't go to chicago acting like you know you <laughs> if you've never been don't to chicago to indiana pretending like go, it's new york exactly it's like, just not the same it's, it's weird so like <laughs> let's embrace the yeah. differences across the content but i just don't want to I, I don't want to make it seem like i'm not seeing any of that because i am seeing no, that for and sure. it's really inspiring and beautiful mm-hmm. and I want to see more of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I see us exchange I hope, more. Yes. I hope we continue to go into these experiences from a posture of curiosity and yes. not criticism. Yes. 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 Cause I see that a lot. I've seen, I've seen very mixed reviews about Nigeria and as a Nigerian who goes home often, I understand the frustrations. There's a reason that year of the return is in Ghana and not Nigeria, for instance, it's mm. just, Nigerians, we all know it. The infrastructure is just not set mm-hmm. up for that kind of flow if you don't know all the people, <laughs> to mm-hmm. be honest. And so that being a thing, it's like if even Nigerians are saying that to you, then if you are going to choose to go to Nigeria, understand it might get real hairy because it just it is what it is. And 
you know, there's a certain level of treatment I think that some that folks want to receive. And if you know anything about the culture, it's just like it just don't really work yeah. like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just be mindful and understand that because as we're talking about, there are systems at play that are going to have folks, no matter where you go on the content, but I'm going to speak about Nigeria, kind of looking at you to assess mm. where you fit into the perception of mm. you that they have. Mm. And while that isn't fair, it's also it's happening it on the other side as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? yeah. We have to understand that we're doing it to one another. And so if we just give each other grace, because the fact of the matter is, you don't know what it's like in Nigeria mm-hmm. and Nigerians. You don't know what it's like for this black person. Right. here. So we just got to be like, all right, that's how you do things. I'm going to try and flow with it. Right. And if we all just try to flow, just with try it, to flow with it. That's it. On both and sides. And embrace the difference. And right. Embrace it. Difference yeah. is not always bad. Difference is amazing. Mm-hmm. Difference. They might make for, you uncomfortable, but like, oh, well, sometimes you just got to be yeah. uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable <laughs> is what I'm learning. And this is something that I'm taking. I'm probably, Talk about this at one point on the show. I'm just trying to still find my words. But I, I wrote a post on social media the other, a couple, a few days ago, because, you know, my grief, this is really sort of the season of the time of year when mm-hmm. grief is, is in, uh, I'm, I'm easily triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm realizing is as life, I learned like life is a metaphor and life sort of teaches me uh, about lots of different things. So me sort of being in the gym and training has helped give me perspective in other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. All of that to say, I'm learning that discomfort and pain are essential to your progress. It just mm-hmm. is. Your forward moving, yes. your growth, yeah, yeah. building muscle. Yeah. You have to, if you are not willing to be uncomfortable, to be stretched, mm-hmm. to be challenged, to be called out, then we can't ever expect you to grow beyond where you are. That's it. And so we have to sort of get away from this idea that adulting or even life um, is always easeful. Our comfort (laughs) is something that we should prioritize Mm -hmm. and work to ensure. Mm -hmm. um, And we should always be able to find comfort, um, have access to it. Mm -hmm. But we cannot... Like this bed of ease that folks are sort of chasing is not realistic. Mm-hmm. And that applies here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to require me to sit in a space and feel like the only one. It's going to require me to sit in a space and, and really feel like, whoa, this is very different than what I'm accustomed mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, but manage that in a way that moves the conversation forward instead of it getting stuck yeah. in my own discomfort mm-hmm. so i'm sorry for rambling on but i just feel like no that's we an important have point got though. to get yes. beyond this idea that these uncomfortable conversations um the truth uh and honesty of of our mm-hmm. ignorance and mm-hmm. what we don't know and have yet to learn yes. we're not ready to have that and say i didn't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i wasn't yeah you know i did the best i could in that moment um, but I'm will, I'm trying to grow and, and and do better, and so I'm excited. And Mary, thank you so much, so much for being willing to come and hang out with us and push us. I want to sort of close out, if it's okay, yeah, by asking you the same question that you asked us, mm. as far as what do you wish that Black Americans, what would you want for Black Americans to know about foreign-born Blacks or Black immigrants? 
Now I'm realizing what a big question that is. <laughs> <laughs> that we're diverse. I think that's a big thing. Um, and that there is a sort of African way of doing things that I think gets more specific based on the country that you're from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's oftentimes very much connected with like black culture, but I wish black Americans looked for that thread more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And just were a bit more curious and, and open to the fact that like, yeah, you're black, but you, you don't know what it means to be Nigerian though. Cause mm. it's a little different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's black, but mm-hmm. it's a specific mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like black from Louisiana is different to me than black from Texas. Yes. Right? It's mm-hmm. a different, it plays out. And there are similarities, but there are there differences, differences as well. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. So yes. That's, that's huge. And I, I don't know. It's just like, there's so much we don't know about one another. Each other, yeah. And mm-hmm. as we're saying, that's a function of white supremacy. And like, just being okay with that mm-hmm. and being more curious. Mm-hmm. 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 My ideal is that like what I wish black folks knew that if I were representing all of Africa, <laughs> no. like, man, I just want us to come together. Like we, when I see another black person, it's weird. I, I see a Nigerian. I know because mm. that's my reference point. Mm-hmm. Like, I see us in everything. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's like, I don't necessarily disconnect being Nigerian from being black, except for the American aspect. Like, I don't feel super American in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So that's just my own thing. But mm-hmm. like, when I see black people, I kind of, I feel the same uh simpatico energy that I feel when I see a Nigerian person. It's just when I see a Nigerian person, I'm like, oh, are you evil? Like there's a little bit more. So I'm like, oh, you Nigerian, like you're from the place, place. You know what I'm saying? You're from the place. But I see Nigerian features in just black people in general. Yeah. And I think it's because yeah. I've been fortunate enough within even Nigeria to travel throughout different mm-hmm. parts of Nigeria a little bit to see like the diversity. I'm like, wait, okay, that look like this person and that person mm-hmm. and that person. I just I see my people everywhere and Mm -hmm. it's so it's so beautiful to have that connection Mm -hmm. i don't know so i guess that's what i want to say and also i don't know and the biggest part of adulting you're talking about adulting that i've learned is like the more you learn the more you realize you don't don't know know. like i just don't know and i don't know nothing wow i don't know i just don't know i'm such a curious person and the more i learn about the thing the less i feel like i know about the thing Mm. i think adulting interesting what happened what i'm feeling like is that (laughs) that in the the more adult i become the more okay i am with not knowing with not knowing stuff i just don't be knowing yeah and being curious i love that curiosity being sparked yeah i love learning about black people from other places I love now. learning and I know I yes. sound crazy when I put up like, so tell me how you do this so how you do this, like, so oh you do this? and yes. it is it is purely from a form of curiosity and and a, and a longing for connection yeah. as opposed to a you know what y'all doing over here what y'all doing over yeah, here yeah you know what I mean doing something fly anywhere we are it, where, that, like, and that's, that's my thing, point right? we no always doing something where fly where you put us it's yes. gonna be just yes. an energy a flow a magic yes. a yes. vibe a zhuzh we just yes. have it and we deserve that yes yeah. and we deserve yes. to sort of embrace that and not stifle it um and that 
happens when we open ourselves up to that. And so I, I love that. I yeah. think maybe we should call this curiosity over criticism. Mm, yeah. Oh, see, I was going to, I was like, should we call it just black? Oh, just black. Maybe mm. we should. With some just stars black. around the Because at the end of the day, ain't we all just black? Just we black. Just black. That no, that's the, that's the thread. Like, and just I black. Just will black. not be anything else for Ever. any amount of money in the world. Ever. I, let me tell you something, Period. sister. No, thank you. That, I think that's the perfect way to end this. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the perfect way. Mary, yeah. thank you thank so you. much for coming in front of the scenes with us. Yes. And, um, and you did good. Now tell us, was it as terrible as you thought it was going to be? Um, at first, yes. Well, that was, was you. Like, oh God! I was like, but "Why no. is she so constipated?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your butt cheeks. Holding herself. <laughs> literally <laughs> holding herself. <laughs> literally I was holding like, herself. Oh God! Nigeria's listening to this. Well, what's she talking? But no, no. no Anybody who listened to this who is of any, they know. Everybody knows what we're talking about is the truth, yeah. and we're not All talking we did, about we anything about that's ourselves. divisive. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we're talking about our experiences, no. it's and it's not from a form like you said of criticism. No, it's from a. It's a necessary conversation, yes. and I hope y'all walk away from this conversation having these conversations with your people. Please, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because we need to continue to have these. Yes. We need to challenge one another. We need to challenge ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to dig a little deeper, and we need to see where some of our own problematic ideals come from. Address those, and and I think that's what's going to start to bring us together. You got to check in with yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. I had to. I'm with it. Yeah. I have to. All right, y'all. We're going to see you for the next segment. Thanks again to the Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoors Entertaining Collection for supporting this week's episode of Getting Grown. Find the comfiest outdoor furniture you've ever lounged on, your new favorite pool floaty, fun games, gorgeous glassware, and more in this new collection. Check out the Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoor Entertaining Collection on May 14th in Target locations and on Target.com. In 2020, City Lab of Pittsburgh released a study that ranked Cleveland as the worst city in America for black women to live. A new podcast called Living for We is trying to figure out why and how we can change that. The podcast interviews Cleveland residents about their experiences at work, at school, during visits to the doctor's office, and while in community with each other in an attempt to answer the question, is Cleveland really as bad as they say it is for black women? Executive produced and hosted by Marlene Harris-Taylor, produced by NPR's IdeaStream Public Media in partnership with Evergreen Podcasts, and with creative direction and production by Hey Friend Hey. The podcast covers topics like education, health care, and workplace challenges for black women, speaking with guests ranging from ages 7 to 94. Episodes regularly include segments with Dr. Angela Neal Barnett, a national award-winning psychologist and professor, about the unfair expectations society places on black women, asking her for her advice on how to cope, and furthermore, how to challenge these ideas. Check out Living for We wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. And it's time uh, for, uh, I know that's right. Welcome back, literally. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, let's get quite literal. Yes. And um, my, I know that's right. Okay, so for those of you who uh, don't know, um, I had the opportunity to visit uh, Paris, France. Uh, we went to see the Beyonce concert yes, there. Yes, you did. Beyonce is well into her European leg of her world tour, the Renaissance tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will talk about that much later. Yes. But 
Um, I uh, had opportunity to go with a small group of friends. It wasn't anything super planned out. Latoya and I were trying to shoot our shot for the Paris tickets. As everybody uh, very was randomly. To do and we learned that Bobby and Crystal were doing the same. And so it was like, <laughs> let's try to get these tickets together. Hell yeah. And it worked out uh, that we were Love all them. able to go. Asante literally bust into the scene, like, I'm going to. Of course. In Asante <laughs> and, fashion and nature. And, and so, <laughs> but we had a time and I had an amazing experience. I won't, no spoilers for the concert at all, but just know that. We all saw Blue. Yes. We saw y'all had a special fucking appearance. Our niece is but, getting so big, y'all. And was doing, I said, she has been, I mean, she has been all practicing her choreography, her facial She's expressions. She's got like her own sort of swag yes. and stage presence. Like stop calling her baby Aaliyah. Stop. She's not. She's oh, blue. I want y'all to let that go. I really want them to let. Uh, you know what I find? The young people are obsessed with Aaliyah. They have, I don't know why. I don't know what What the, is with the fascination no, of like comparing know. somebody to somebody else all the time? I don't know. Like, why can't she just be blue? She's just let her be blue. Just like, I mean, like, she, her mom is Beyonce, for God's sake. And we've been telling y'all to leave her alone since she was two years Literally, old. Before then. Okay. But I doubt it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what my I know that's right is, is I feel like I've been very reflective, as we've talked about on this show, uh, these weeks, um, these last few weeks. Um, and in my reflection, holding space for grief and joy mm -hmm. to exist concurrently. Mm -hmm. um, in thinking about joy and gratitude, I have to say that I am very grateful. Mm -hmm. uh, this vacation experience was unlike any other one that I've ever had. And I'm just grateful for our opportunity to be able to work and this vacation experience was unlike anything I've ever had before. Mm -hmm. And I think Crystal and I were talking about, there was a time um, when we went to, when Beyonce did the, I think it was four, for the four tour. At Revel. At Revel. Mm -hmm. um, Crystal came to New York from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I was living in my small one-bedroom apartment on 141st Street. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, a was living around the corner. Mm -hmm. XD was living in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. uh, and Crystal was coming for the concert. And she just bought, I remember she had her extra job. Mm -hmm. Crystal had literally had got a part-time job so that she can afford Beyonce tickets whenever yes. they came out. Things were very different at that time. Yes. Um, <laughs> for all of and us. so the, the Revel concert was announced. Crystal bought her tickets. Mm -hmm. uh, the show was in Atlantic City. And I had my little Kia Rio. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my Honda Civic at that point. I feel like it was my Honda Civic. And um, child, I drove Crystal from Harlem to Atlantic City mm -hmm. so that she could attend the concert. Mm -hmm. I did not have a ticket. No, and I couldn't afford any. <laughs> <laughs> neither and did Tay, uh -huh. neither did XD. Uh -huh. But we we were just excited to get Crystal there because yeah. we knew how much. And it was going to be fun. We are going to drive to Atlantic City. We are going to mm -hmm. hang out while she's in the concert. A bunch of people were in town. Um, and so our friends were there. And we were just going to go and have a good time. Uh, and when we think about that, you know, when you vacation, you have a, at that time, we were grateful to do it. Mm -hmm. Happy, thrilled, having mm -hmm. the time of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, never thinking that we would be able to go see Beyonce in Paris. Right. Um, and be comfortable enough to make the trip uh, 
you know, as memorable and enjoyable mm-hmm. uh, as it was without having that worry. You know how it is when you go on vacation in your night in your teens and twenties. Yes. And it's four people to a, a room <sighs> sharing two twin beds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, y'all just going to the club. <laughs> free before eleven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> depending Fast on food. Depending on other people to I buy hop, your drinks. You know what whatever. I'm saying? We're going yeah. to Denny's and yeah. that kind of carrying on. But um, you know, and we're grateful to do mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But I was able to go to Paris. I was able to to take myself to Paris. And we talked about uh, when we were getting ready to record, there's a lot of things and milestones that women are conditioned and socialized to believe that they cannot do until they have a partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't buy a house. I can't plan a big trip. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I can't do Mm -hmm. that. Or I would want to do that with a life partner. So I'll wait. Right. Yeah. So I'll wait Mm -hmm. until. And so I don't know that I ever felt sort of that pressure, but I will say that I do definitely uh, feel a great sense of of grat- gratitude and pride that I am able to afford myself mm-hmm. certain uh, conveniences and certain experiences yes. with without, um, you know, it would be great. And I would appreciate if mm-hmm. someone would want to treat me to something like that. But to be able to move with a level of autonomy uh, and make decisions yes. um, for myself. I feel very much like a real grown up. Yeah. Uh, and and it is very. I think about my grandma. I think about my brother. Mm-hmm. And I will hope that they too would be proud. Absolutely. Of me. Um, but I I definitely felt. You know, I, we said it all the, the several times. Me and Crystal, we've come a long way oh. from the revel. <laughs> When we was in my Honda Civic. Sister, every time me and Tristan pulled the the blinds down in the house, we'd be like, remember when we didn't have none? My Lord, what a time. Okay, literally us going to the I bodega. I think that reflection is so important. No, we have to do it. Right? And so, so I'm encouraging everybody to think about even if you're not where you want to be mm-hmm, in your life, mm-hmm. you can look around and see how far you've come. Ba- baby, because you're not where you were. Hello. <laughs> and that is, I think that that, that helps big. us with our gratitude. Yes. I think those moments of reflection are so, yes. so key. And I'm not a millionaire, Mm-mm. but I'm able to do things for myself. I, I have blinds. I have. And you wouldn't. Listen, we talked about <laughs> the fact that I bought that house Three years ago, mm-hmm. and there were paper blinds in it for two and years. And now you have a remote control for your blind. Because Something God I never me. thought I'd ever see in this life. <laughs> okay. Right? But I've learned <laughs> in wisdom. And, you know, people reaching out to me, people like Fury, people like my mama, people like my grandma, right? It was like, when I bought that house, it was like, don't feel no pressure to fill it up with a bunch of junk. Okay? Don't buy no, no couch because you feel like you got Sister. to have a couch. Buy, and I was very intentional about filling my home with things that I love. A word. Fill your home with things that you love, even if that means you got to wait. Yes. I waited. I didn't. I was in that house six months before I had a couch. Mm -hmm. You were. You know. You were. Because I wanted to love my couch. Yep. And if you got to wait until you're 40 to take that dream vacation, don't be afraid to go. Yeah. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't let nothing or nobody make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if you when you really think about it, the blessing of it is I am grateful because everything is in place. That's it. And I couldn't have gone before now. That's it. 
You went when you when it was I time. I went when it was time for me to go. Mm-hmm. When it was space in my relationships, mm-hmm. when it was space in my professional life, when it was space in my bank account mm. for me to go mm. and have the trip. I had Paris. I did Paris the way I wanted to. I know that's right. <laughs> oh, I know that's it right. It was not like, oh, I wish one day I'm going to stay here or one day I'm going to be able to shop there or one day I'm going to be able to do this. I was able to do Paris the way I wanted to. And now when I know for when I want to go back, I'll know how to prepare for that. Because you because you've done it how you wanted to and you're going to do it how you want to. What? Again. Again. So be great. I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. I'm also very proud of myself and I'm allowing myself to deserve vacation. And I'm going again. I know that's right. I know that's right. I think that's a perfect, I know that's right. And um, we're going to leave it right there. We're going to go into some petty peeps. Okay, let's get get unserious. And close this thing right on up. Let's get unserious. Let's do that. That's what we do very well here. Okay. Thank you. Tabitha Brown brightens days like no one else. Now the actress, vegan, and social media phenomenon is partnering with Target to bring the world more vibrance, candor, and joy. Arriving for the season of laid-back lounging, backyard barbecues, and poolside hangs, this limited-time collection is here to give all your gatherings that perfect summer glow. The Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoors Entertaining Collection drops at Target and Target.com on May 14th. This collection is designed to celebrate Tab's favorite season, summer. It's all about bringing loved ones together around all the best things. Delicious food, fun games, good music, and that bright, happy sunshine. From the comfiest outdoor furniture you've ever lounged on, to your new favorite pool floaty, to games, to glassware, and more, this collection has you set for a summer full of joy. Check out the Tabitha Brown for Target Outdoors Entertaining Collection on May 14th in Target locations and on Target.com. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey, honey, honey. Now it's time for the petty peeves. Put it on parade. <laughs> Put it on parade. I mean, clearly this in this this episode, we're like, all right, we're going to talk about the uncomfortable things. So I said, I'm going to bring that right on into the petty peeves. Hey, let's do it. Because I had an experience today, actually, Uh-oh. that made me uncomfortable, but also like it's it's something that needs to be spoken mm-hmm. about. I don't have an issue with y'all's interracial relationships. Okay. Okay. Everybody love who you want. Do what you want to do. Right. I am going to get some of my favorite tacos. (laughs) I had an appointment in the city and I said, I'm going to stop off and get me some tacos. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did roll a blunt before I left the house and it was the perfect time for me to Whoop, whoop, pull over that ass too fat and smoke it. Okay. So I was like, I'm almost to the tacos. I'm going to pull over in front yes. of this old GNC that is no longer there. <laughs> and I'm going to have this blunt before I get my tacos. So I'm minding my full business. Okay. Lighting up, you know, on my phone, listening to music. And it's a, a white lady and a black man. The black man's facing me, but the white lady has her back to me. The way we, we were both in this, okay. it's a wide doorway. So okay. they're on this end, I'm on this end. Everybody's minding, I, I think everybody's minding their business. The lady keep turning around. Once I stood there, she keep turning around. And it's like, it's not a, 
like just to look into the cell or like you could be looking over here. I'm in a closed doorway. Mm -hmm. You are look like, can you chill out? Right. And she does it like four times. I mean, a full like. So I was like, miss, mind your business. <gasps> <laughs> like, what are you doing? I, I let four times. I was like, I am over here smoking my blunt in peace. Mind your business. I ain't nobody worried about what y'all are doing. So you know what the man does? What? He speaks up for her. The black man, he's going, he's like, he like, she not worried about what you're doing. I said, I know I said, miss, mind your business. I know I wasn't talking to you. I said, but since you wanted to interject, tell your lady to turn the fuck around and mind her business. He's like, but no, I said, you and I both are standing here. We both see the same thing. Mm -hmm. Sir, if somebody is turning all the way, I'm talking about a 360. She's still not looking at you at this point. No. Okay. I was like, I don't have an issue with whatever the fuck y'all are doing. I don't care about what you were doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, but mind your business. And I didn't like that moment. I knew what was happening and you know what was happening. Mm -hmm. I don't care about your interracial relationship. I'm not scowling at you. I'm not scoffing at you. I'm over here smoking my blunt about to enjoy three flavor filled, delicious tacos <laughs> and a cold Mexican Coke. And you are doing a 360 four times right here. Four times. I'm just going to keep looking around, turn around. I said, just turn around, girl. You want me to have an issue with what you got going on. And okay. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't care. And I don't want you to to create this narrative where and that's what I don't like. It's the narrative that's out there. It's the it's like when you have you ever walked past a couple and it's a black man and a white woman and he's keep looking. He keep looking over here it it, and it don't be like a it don't be like I'm trying to I'm trying to look at you on the low. It'd be like an uncomfortable kind of right. look. And it's like, sir. Okay. Stand in your fucking relationship and look forward. Correct. I don't care what you're doing. Do not. Stop looking for us to have a problem with what you're doing. And then when we call out a problem that is actually there, don't Be don't careless. do that. Don't do that. She was probably weeping. That's why she couldn't. She was like, I, I, you know, I, 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 girl, turn around, mm -mm. turn around. So that was it. <laughs> that My was petty peeve is pretty petty. It's not. That is actually. Uh, Valid concern. That was kind of, I mean, it is petty, yeah. right? Somebody could have said, you don't have to say nothing if she keeps yeah, turning around. True. But also when somebody keep turning in your face, like. Like she was looking you in your face. Sister, we're both in a doorway. She is, ha she has her full back. Like her man has his back against the doorway and I'm over here in this doorway and she got her, it's, they are chest to chest. And then it's like a, that's why I'm like, why, why four mm -hmm. times? Why four times? Yeah, but anyway, what's your petty peeve? My petty peeve is simply for the people who don't know how to take a hint <laughs> that you don't want to talk to them. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> or that, like, you know, I am all for, like, I, I rec I'm going to say I don't want to say it like that. I recognize that they're just, people are just nosy, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Maybe she could have been nosy. I think that... I was on the plane and this lady that I was sitting next to, so Tay and Toya were sitting uh, on in the middle. Mm -hmm. I There was a lady sitting in the aisle seat. Mm -hmm. I had the window. Mm -hmm. And so there's this one white lady between us. Mm. And so she kept jumping, not just into our conversation, but into the conversations that surrounded our seat. On an airplane? On an airplane. 
a flight that was like seven hours. You've got to be an ostrich to join other people's I mean, conversation. It was like, on I, was, I was honestly <laughs> impressed by how she was just able to be conscious of what was happening in all of these separate situations. What a moderator. Uh, I mean, I'm like, listen, I'm like, this lady, <laughs> I, she, she must be like a pro pro project manager or something. Bitch. She has an engineer. She's engineering <laughs> this in such an interesting way. But, um, you know, one minute she's talking to me. Her husband was sitting. Oh, there was a person there. Okay. Her husband was sitting in front of her. No, in front of me. Okay. In front of me. Okay. Her mother was sitting in front of her. More than one with her. Okay. And and her kids were sitting in front of and him. And she's talking to everyone. Okay. Okay. She's talking to the kids. She's talking to the husband. Mm -hmm. She's talking to the mother. Mm -hmm. And y'all. And she's talking to me. Crazy. She's also, like, if, if Toya says something to me, she'll interject. If Tay said something about what I was watching on the screen, she had a comment for that. I'm like, girl, you ain't never going to get no rest on this plane. You are working over time. I'm like, girl, you on vacation? Relax. Was it like, was she, what was the, like, what were you getting from that? It was very like, I, she was giving like Jane Brady. Like she was giving oh. like, I must be involved in all of the things. Oh no, Jane. And I, her husband, poor guy, I felt like she was getting on his nerves because he was sitting in front of me and he would just be looking forward saying nothing. And then out of nowhere, she would be like, what did you say? And he'd be like, I didn't say nothing to you. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> he was so sick of her. Like, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, so I'm not the only one that's picking no. up that there's a problem here. And the mother, her mother was like consoling him. Like, she was like, I know. And the kids, did you guys eat? What did you do this? Gotta do that. And I'm just, oh, no. and they're not little kids. Uh, she told me, of course, because she was oversharing. Yeah. She was like, my daughter turns 18. We were supposed to go to Paris for her sweet 16, but, uh -huh. you know, the pandemic shut everything down, so yeah. we're going now. Yeah. And do you know that she had the nerve to be upset because Taylor Swift is in town? Oh, child. In New York right now, and she's going to Paris. And I'm oh like, oh, God. my God. <laughs> and I'm just looking at her like, this has nothing to do with my life or anything that I care about at all. Where was she from? I know she told you. She's from Staten Island. Yeah. Oh, God. And and I know all her business. This lady also told me, like, I put my bonnet on, of course, because, you know, this is a nighttime fight. Yeah. We're going to sleep. Yeah. I put my bonnet on and get, we get to Paris. I take it off. She's like, I love that bonnet. I should get one. You should <laughs> I literally, she was like, I should get one because you know my hair, I lay down and gets matted. And that is like satin on the inside, right? And yes. that's supposed to be good for your hair. Oh, yeah, she was from Staten Island. And I was just looking at her saying no words, like. Uh-huh. And she girl, never got I it. I don't care. Nothing about what you're saying. Not once. That's such a fascinating thing. Did I dynamic. give her anything? She must be bored out of her mind. She was like, and then she asked, like, she's <laughs> asking. to be. You know how white women ask, like, you know, uh, and I know that I don't. My aesthetic is troubling sometimes, right? So on my way to New York, not troubling. Troubling is not the word, but it's intriguing, especially because why, I think white women see me and put me in a box. Oh, because you're tall. Or I'm tall and I had black. on I had on my shirt that said not that kind of doctor. Uh -huh. So yeah. she's looking at me with these white locks and these nails, and she's like, "Well, what kind of doctor is she?" <laughs> and I feel like she's like trying to get me to share by yes. sharing. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it was manipulative. And I'm like, and that's why I was I asking you what it was about. giving. I was like, was it pure curiosity? Was I it like she I'm was bored curious. and nosy? I think she I... was curious and naturally nosy. I did not get in. 
offensive vibe from her. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling like this lady is over here thinking mm-hmm. racist things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I definitely got this, like, I'm really intrigued by this whole thing. Who are these kids on this flight to Paris? That's so where fascinating. Are they going? Where why would you so girl? What make are they up, doing? What are they going to Paris? Then for? make up a story to what yourself. What are they going to Paris? You know for? what I'm saying? Use your imagination. And I think she thought by telling me all of the reasons and ins and outs of why her and her family were on that plane that I would just pour that out you were my soul. Start doing the same and thing. I was looking at her like, ma'am, turn your light off and shut your mouth. <laughs> So and I can fall asleep to Florida's Please, Gump. I'm trying to watch The Wizard of Oz. Do you see <laughs> that I am into this program? And you keep asking me these stupid questions. And I know questions. you had to take your headphones off to see like, what she wants to eat. What? I see, mean, that's hello. The, the scarecrow the is singing my song. What do you need? Where's the awareness? None. There's none. Zero. None. She kept waking up and being like, how much time do we have left? Oh, my God. We are not friends. You can click the screen and it'll tell you how much time you have left on your flight, where you at, like how much time you've been in the air, what the altitude is. I mean, she just kept jumping into every conversation. I leaned over and told Tay, Latoya was asleep, but we was getting ready to land. You know how you tell the people that you with, like, pack up your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Time to go. We, we can get off. Here. Yeah. All right. So I tell Tay, wake Toya up. Cause she got a lot, all this apparatus and things that I she got Toya, to put. Yeah. Child. And so I'm like, I wouldn't want her to us land the plane. She's still sleeping. She'd be looking like, why you ain't wake me up? <laughs> so I said, I'm gonna tell her one time. Toya. Girl, it's yes. time to get up. I'm mm-hmm. not saying nothing else. So I she she saw me get Tay's attention and tell Tay to wake Toya up. And she was like, I should wake up my girls, huh? Girl, and I'm just like looking at her like, girl, I don't care what you do. But I should have said yes, because her children were the reason why we was late getting off the plane because they was not ready. Literally, the plane landed and they were still. And you all had to wait because they, they yes, were in front of and you. And Tay was like, well, what's going on? And she was like, it's my kids. I was like, well, at least you know. At least you know the awareness is there. But the awareness is also not there because you keep fucking talking to me. This really got on my nerves. And I was like, I really am trying to be polite. And I don't feel like I was rude to her. No, I'm sure you But weren't. I was very much given like, girl, why is she still talking to me? And she didn't pick that up. Mm-mm. Well, um, I'm sorry, lady from Staten Island. I hope you enjoyed yourself in Paris, and I hope that you found yourself some business when you got back. Please, and thank you. And that is another episode of Getting Grown. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you to Mary Thank you Akba to Mary Akba. For joining us in front of the scenes this time. Yes, indeed. Make sure you all stream her music. It's Absolutely. on Spotify Absolutely. and everywhere that you can find Do streaming right services. Um, and also know that she's behind the scenes of our Getting Grown functionality and Helping all of the things happening. All those things happen. So uh, we're very grateful for she, but we're grateful for her joining in on the conversation. Um, sis, take them out. Tell them what to do. Make sure that you are doing what that lady from Staten Island needs to do mm. and attending to <laughs> the dryness of your mind <laughs> by, by watering your own mind with your own business. Mm, mm, okay? Mm. That's how you keep your mind nourished. Mm. Okay? Full, hydrated, lubricated. Supple, hydrated, lubricated. Mm-hmm. Functioning at optimal capacity. Yeah. You fill your mind up with business that's yours. That's, that's what you do. And you're alone. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. You also want to make sure that you are moisturizing your other internal organs. Mm. Okay. By hydrating as much as possible. Mm, mm, you want to mm. drink as much water as your kidneys can stand. Mm. Okay. You want to do that. And your largest organ is your skin. 
Oh. You want to be intentional about moisturizing that. Tell them why, sister. Because your black will crack if it is dry yes. or over-talking people on the airplane. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.